the evidence of things not seen. So Hebrews 11, let's go there. Wanna, we're going to read a lot of the a lot of uh, a lot of verses today out of the Bible. It's a good thing to read the Bible, isn't it? And so um, Hebrews 11, verse 33. Let's go there. Now we've read this on several occasions. This Hebrews 11 is known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. And of course, I believe it was written by the Apostle Paul, and that's significant for what we're going to be talking about today. I, I believe, and many scholars believe, we're not 100% sure, but, but we think that with pretty good accuracy that, excuse me, the Apostle Paul wrote under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, uh, Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, notice verse 33, He's talking about the different, of course, he's been talking about the different people who had faith in the Old Testament, you know. And he says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. We talked about that one last week. Who was that? Who was it? Daniel. Daniel. Remember? How many remembers talking about Daniel last week? You remember that? And then verse 34, quenched the violence of fire. We talked about those guys last week also. Who was that? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And then it goes on, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Now watch this. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, tempted, slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. And we'll just stop right there. Notice, if you look at verse 36, trial of mockings and scourgings, of chains and imprisonment. Of course, Jeremiah was, was imprisoned for declaring the accurate word of God while the other false prophets were telling the people what the people wanted to hear. And Jeremiah was telling the people what God was saying. And so we could talk about Jeremiah, but I want to direct our attention today to, to the Apostle Paul who wrote this. Trial of mock, notice, trial of mockings and scourgings Chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. You know that doesn't mean drunk. They were rocks. They took stones and threw, threw them at, at them and killed them with the stones, stoning. Notice 2 Timothy 4, 7. 2 Timothy 4.7, the Apostle Paul says, and there's a lot of verses, so what we might do today, you can turn to them if you want, but I'm going to, they'll be on the screen, you can mark them down, and you might want to just sit there and listen and, and just follow along on the screen, because there's quite a few verses, but you're always, certainly, we encourage you to turn, but 2 Timothy 4.7, he says, I have fought the good fight. Did you know walking by faith is a, is, 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 is a fight? Yeah. 
He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I think that's something we would all like to say at the end of our lives. He said this right before he was beheaded. We see him first of all as Saul of Tarsus, a young man, the Bible calls him. And then later on as Paul, he, of course, Saul of Tarsus got saved and became Paul the Apostle. And, and Saul was referred to as a young man, but Paul, he became Paul. He writes later of himself as an old man. So he lived a full life. And he got to the end of his life and he said, I have fought. See, living for God is not a bowl of cherries, folks. You know what I mean by that? Living for God, if, you do, if you're really living for God, it's not easy. Did you know when people get called to the altar to give their... Sinners get called to the altar to give their hearts to the Lord Jesus. They're called to come up there and die. Amen. Yes or no? Yes. The, the old man dies right there. When you're when 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 you when you walk with the Lord Jesus, it's not easy. Now. Sure, there's lots of blessings and lots of good things. And, 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 and the Apostle Paul talked about, he learned how to, you know, uh, uh, to, to be without and in trouble. And he learned how to abound. There, when you walk with the Lord, there's, there's peaks and valleys. It's not all peaks when you walk with the Lord. Amen. There are peaks. There's great victory, certainly. But it's a straight and a narrow way. And as an old man, right before he is going to have his head cut off for the cause of Christ. Think of that. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have what? I have kept the faith. So he lived a long life. Now, I want to go through here in the book of Acts, and I guess you can go to the book of Acts and follow along the best you can. And of course, we always encourage folks to follow along in the Bible. Don't misunderstand me. But when there's so many verses, you understand, we're going to have a lot of them here. I want to just kind of chronicle, just highlight the life of Paul. And let's look at some of the things that he went through. And as we do that, we'll see just what an awesome statement it is when he says... I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. So let's do that. Look at Acts, the ninth chapter. Immediately after getting saved, Paul was warned of the difficulties he would face as a Christian, especially a Christian who is a soul winner and does something for the Lord. Look at Acts 9, verse 10. Now, now Saul of Tarsus... He had just got knocked down by that great light. Remember that? On the road to Damascus. And right there he died. 
right? He, Saul of Tarsus died on that road to Damascus. Now, I'm, I personally believe he was going to die one way or the other on that road. Because remember, Saul persecuted the Christians. You wouldn't have liked him. He wouldn't have liked you. If he was here today, he'd have every one of us put in prison and, and probably put to death. Do you understand that? There's no probably about it. He would have wanted you and me dead. Saul of Tarsus, the man who became the Apostle Paul. He was not a nice individual. He was an insolent man. He, he, was, he said that of himself. But he died on that road to Damascus. I believe that he was, persecu- well, he was persecuting the church so heavily that, that he was either going to die and get born again and give his heart to the Lord and become Paul, or I believe Jesus was going to execute him right there on that road. Absolutely. Jesus would do that? Absolutely. Remember over in the book of Acts that one king stood up and, and, and gave that great... Was a, he gave a speech. I wouldn't say how great it was. And, and the people began to praise him and he refused to give glory to God. Remember? And the angel struck him and worms ate his body. How many remembers that? Amen. So, so, so Saul was a dead man. One way or the other, I'm convinced of it. Aren't you glad that he decided to go the good way to die and gave his heart to Jesus? And his old man died. Is that right? But, but after, after that happened, remember, Jesus talked to this disciple in Damascus. And look at verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias, he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street, call straight, and inquire at the house of Judas, for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. See, Saul had come into town, and he was praying over there. He was blinded by that light. In verse 12, And in a vision he's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. Now, this is something else you need to realize. Saul got saved, became Paul, and nobody believed it. Wouldn't that be horrible? To really give your heart to Jesus and everybody's questioning your, the authenticity of your salvation. Now, that's the first thing he had to deal with, the apostle who became the apostle Paul. And then verse 14, And, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now watch this. Verse 16. For I will show him how many things he must what? Suffer Suffer for my name's sake. Now that's how he starts out. I mean, that's the word that's given to Saul who has now become Paul. The Lord's going to show you how many... Ananias must have delivered that to him. The Lord's going to show him, show him Saul. The Lord's going to show, show you how many things you must suffer for his name's sake. How would you like to start out in your Christian walk with that? Nowadays, it's, you're going to get blessed on every side. Every, you know, that's all you basically hear. And there's great blessing walking with the Lord. But there's some things you must suffer. It's not sickness and disease, but the Bible says all, because Jesus bore our sickness and carried our disease. But the Bible says all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will what? Suffer persecution. Right? 
Now we're saying this in the context of what? He finished the race, he kept the faith. But look at how it, it starts. I mean, you need to realize who Saul was. He was high up. At, he was about as high as you could go in the Jewish ranks. A person of prominence. Great authority. And he gave all that up for, for Christ. Later on, he said, I count it as dung. Think about that. You know what dung is. Pile of manure. He counted everything that he had accomplished as dung and he wanted to serve Jesus. But think about starting your walk with Jesus and this is what you hear. Uh, I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now look at Acts 9 verse 21. Then all who heard were amazed and said, speaking of Paul now, is this not he who destroyed those who called on on this name, the name of Jesus in Jerusalem, and has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. See, they're being skeptical of him. And rightly so. Can you say amen to that? I mean, rightly so. But still, it must have hurt Paul. And then, this is right after he gets saved. Look at chapter 9, verse 23. Now, after many days were passed, this was after he'd given his heart to the Lord, the Jews plotted to kill, plotted to what? Think about that. The people that he was just buddies with, now they want to kill him, don't they? But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to what? To kill him. Then the disciples took him by night, led him down through the wall in a large basket. Think about that. He's got to flee for his life. And then in verse chapter 9, verse 26... And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to... Now, he was in Damascus. Now, he goes over to Jerusalem. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. I'm just trying to show you what this man went through, and we're going to look at it as we go. What he went through to make that awesome statement at the end of his life, I have fought a good fight, I finished my race, I have what? Kept the faith. Now, he tries to join to these disciples. They don't believe that he's really a Christian. Now, notice verse 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And it's important now that you see Barnabas. This is this wonderful man. His name meant son of encouragement. He was a great encourager. And he latches on to Paul. And he was really a great friend of his. And they were traveling companions in ministry. We'll see. But it's important that you understand something about Barnabas now because we're going to get to it here in a second. Barnabas was Paul's good friend. And notice Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he'd spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Paul now. And disputed against the Hellenists but they attempted to what? They attempted to what? They attempted to kill him. This is to kill Paul. When the brethren found out they brought him to Caesarea and sent him to Tarsus back where he came from. But you see now he's just early on his Christian walk here and now people are they don't believe he's a Christian. They're trying to kill him. How many people would have stopped right there? And then, as time goes on, 
Paul, grow, he's growing spiritually in the things of the Lord Jesus. And then eventually, him and Barnabas are separated for the work whereunto they were called. And they go out, and they go out on the first missionary journey. Acts 13, verse 8, notice this. When Paul goes out on that first missionary journey, Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, do you just think about this. You go out on your first, you're taking this, this step of faith out on that first journey, and he's met by a sorcerer who withstands him. I hope Paulette isn't met by a sorcerer when she goes to Jamaica. Holy Ghost power, Holy Ghost power right? But you see, opposition. You walk with the Lord Jesus, there's going to be great times of blessing, but there's going to be opposition. And then, notice here in Acts 13, verse 50, but the Jews stirred up devout and prominent women and chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Think about that. Having the devil was behind all this and he stirred the Jews up to stir up prominent men and women to come against Paul. Have you ever had people come against you? It's no fun, is it? I know what it's like to have folk come, come, come against you for doing good, for just trying to help folk. How many of you know the devil's behind all of that? How many of you know people do co- uh, cooperate with the devil, don't they? Even Christians, spirit-filled Christians cooperate with the devil many, many times, sad to say. But look at what Paul's going through here. And then, if you go to Acts 14, verse 19, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. You remember earlier in Hebrews when he wrote about they were stoned? Well, here's, here's, here's an example. Here's what I think he was talking about. Very likely, they were stoned. They drug him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, folks, if there was ever a a, a time that you might consider quitting and giving up, this would be it right here. Remember, he said, I've I've fought a good fight. I've finished my race. I've what? I've kept the faith. And they left him for dead. And in fact, I believe he did die here because later he wrote that he had been in deaths off. He got beat up a lot for his faith in the Lord Jesus. Then notice verse 20. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So he had good people around him, didn't he? And that's a lesson to us all. We need to be part of a good, strong local church where we have fellow believers around us to help us when the world beats us up. That's one of the reasons we're here. And then, I mean, but think about that. Was he stoned to death or not? He was stoned to death, wasn't he? But he didn't quit, did he? And all of this, we need to realize he's walking by faith, isn't he? And it takes faith to get up 
from being stoned to death and continuing your walk with the Lord Jesus? How many of you know it takes great faith to do that? And let us go on here now to Acts 15. And this is very significant. Remember I told you about Barnabas earlier? He was Paul's close companion. Acts 15, 36. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back to visit our brethren in every city where we've preached the word of the Lord to see how they're doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia who had not gone them with them to the work. So John Mark, this is the guy that wrote the Mark, Mark's, Matt, you've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was used by God to write Mark, but early on he departed. He was with Paul and Barnabas and the things got tough and he departed. He gave up and quit. Isn't it good to know though that if you give up and quit, you can repent and Jesus will pick you up, dust you off, and you can get back in the race. Is that good? And we'll see that later. But right now, he departs Paul and Barnabas. Not good. It made Paul angry. He didn't like it. We'll see that in a moment. But notice in verse 39, as it pertains to Paul and Barnabas, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. Can you imagine that? Paul and Barnabas in a heated argument. Think about that. But they're just as human as you or I. And it was such a sharp argument that they parted from one another. They parted company. And they never did travel together again in ministry after this. Yet they forgave one another. You can see that in the scripture. You can see that they they didn't hold grudges. But a lot of people would have give up and quit right there. I lost my best buddy. And Barnabas took Mark and went to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas, departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Caesarea and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Just trying to show you the things that the Apostle Paul went through. Let's go, to, let's go on here to Acts 16. Now it happened, this is verse 16, Acts 16, 16. It happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling, This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. And when her masters saw that her hope of profit was gone, they noticed, what did they do now? Now, did Paul just do something good? He just cast a devil out, didn't he? Cast a demon out. But notice in verse 19, what did he get? Did he get thank you? Did he get, did he, did, 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 did he get thank you? No. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates, said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be what? Beaten with... That's a fine how do you do, isn't it? And when they had laid many stripes on them, that means they whipped them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. 
Having received such a charge, he put them in the inner prison. That's a worse, that, was a wor- that was a worse place than the other prisoners were in. And fastened their feet in the stocks. I've finished my race. I've kept the faith. See, that's the backdrop of what I want you to be thinking about. Would a lot of people have quit right here? Give up? And you know, we'll, for the sake of time, we won't read on here, but what, were, what was Paul and Silas doing at midnight? They were singing praises, hymns to God. Is that right? The earthquake in the prison and all their chains were loosed and so on and so forth. And the Philippian jailer, the, the head guy got saved, started a church, became the pastor of the church. It pays not to give up and quit, doesn't it? You can affect other people, but still, you see what this man's going through. Yeah, you know something else? I don't have this in my notes, but you know something else I'm convinced Paul was dealing with? Because you can see it in his writings. He had to deal with what he had done before he got saved. Remember what he did before he got saved? He had Christians beaten, stoned, put in prison, killed. Remember Stephen, when Stephen was stoned? He held the coats of the people stoning Stephen. How many remembers that? But he did say this. He said, he did say this. He said, I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. And, 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 and it takes faith to say that. And you know what else? I don't have this in my notes, but the Holy Spirit just wants me to say it. He wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote, and he said that, now it takes faith to write this because of what he did before he got saved. He, he wrote and he said, I've wronged no man. How can he write that? He had all those Christians persecuted and put to death. He can write that. He had to write it by faith. And he could write it because we see that it takes faith to do this. He said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things are new and all things are of God. Can you say amen to that? You see how much faith it took for him to write some of these things? And then in Acts 20, he says this, verse 22, Acts 20, 22. Look at the faith here. Acts 20, 22. He said, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. See, when you walk by faith, you don't know all the things that's going to happen. You just walk by faith, right? Just keep on going. Not knowing the things that will happen to me. They remember Abraham and Sarah when they left there. When they left, they went to. They said not, the Bible said not knowing where they were going. See, when you walk by faith, you, you hear from God as best you can. You, you know on the inside what He's told you to do lines up with the Word of God. You head off that way. He doesn't give you all the details. If He gave you all the details, then it wouldn't be faith. He just gives you maybe a word or two and you step out on that. And as you step out on that, he gives you more and gives you more, you know. He said, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Now, notice verse 23. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city that wonderful things are going to happen to me. Chains and tribulations await me. 
takes faith to go on, doesn't it? When the Holy Ghost is telling you that chains and tribulations await me. And then notice verse 24, faith all over this. Watch this. But none of these things move me. That's a person of faith right there. And then he says, I do not count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with... See, he's got that race on his mind, doesn't he? And we know he finished it. How did he finish it? With joy and with what? Faith. In the ministry which I received for the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And then if you go to Acts 21 here, verse 10, he says, and this is as he's journeying towards Jerusalem, as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. That's not a good prophecy to get. But it's what the Holy Ghost is saying. He didn't quit there, did he? He kept right on going, didn't he? He's on a journey just like all of us. A journey of faith. And then he gets to Jerusalem. Look at Acts 21, verse 30. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple. And immediately the doors were shut. Now as they were seeking to what? To kill him. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't get any rest, does he? News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took the soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they... Stopped beating Paul. They see they're beating him. Then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. I mean, it just doesn't stop. Have you ever asked, I just need a break here, just give me a break. I mean, it's like one thing after that. Verse 34, And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. Think about that. For the multitude of people uh, followed after crying out away with him. Think about that. And then Paul gets up and he shares how he got saved. Have you ever shared something good that God's done for you? And you expect people to rejoice with you? And they don't. Has that ever happened to anybody but me? You give your testimony of how the Lord, you know, spoke to your heart and, and supernaturally dealt with you in a certain area and, and you share that with somebody and, and they just kind of s- just sit there and look at you like a calf at a new gate. They don't even... Paul would have been happy if they'd have just sat there and looked at him that way. But they, they didn't. Look at Acts twenty two twenty two. They listened to him until... This word, and when they, they raised their voices, they said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he's not fit to live. This was after he recounted how the Lord appeared to him, you know. And then in Acts 23, verse 10, Now when there arose a great dissension, the commander, fearing lest Paul might be pulled to pieces by them. Have you ever been where you thought somebody was going to put, you had people all around you and one pulling on this arm, one on the other, that they were going to rip you in two. Think about that. I'm just trying to get you to see 
what the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest men of God of all time, had to go through. Command, he commanded the soldiers to go down, take him by force from among them, so on and so forth. And here, here, look at Acts 23, verse 11. Watch this. But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. See, when you're in the midst of a fight of faith, Jesus will show up and he will tell you, Be of what? Be of good cheer. And you understand that Jesus lives by faith. You understand that, don't you? Because the Apostle Paul could have said, Jesus, there's no, my circumstances, there's nothing cheerful in my circumstances. There's no reason for me to be cheerful. Now, he didn't say that, but to my knowledge, we don't see it in the Scripture. But Jesus showed up and said what? Be of good cheer. You need to understand that Jesus, who is God, lives by faith. And it took faith to say be of good cheer because there was no reason for Paul to be of good cheer. But you see, when the chips are down, things aren't going the way we want them to, that's when we need our faith, you see. Be of good cheer. And then notice Acts 23, verse 12. I want to tell you, whatever you're going through today, I stand here as a man of God telling you, be of good cheer. Yeah, but pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. Well, uh, let's live by faith. Let's live by faith. And let's don't give up and quit. Let's be of what? Good cheer. And then in Acts 23, 12, And when it was day, some of the Jews band together and bound themselves to an oath, saying that they would neither eat or drink till they killed Paul. Have you ever had people take an oath against an oath? To, they're not going to eat or drink till they kill you? And there were more than 42 who had formed this conspiracy. Just think, I mean, he's going through all this, and Jesus shows up and says, Be of what? Be of good cheer. Friends, we need to listen to what the Lord's saying. Say, saying. No matter what you're going through, be of what? Be of good. Be of what? Be of good. Cheer. And it takes faith to do that. And then, of course, just let's read on just a little more here. Paul gives his testimony again. He gave that testimony three times of how he got saved on the road to Damascus. He gives that again before a king and a governor. And... Notice Acts 26, 17, because I, I need to read this to you. Acts 26, 17. The Lord says, as Paul's recounting this vision, he says something that we all need to understand and know. The Lord said to him, I will deliver you from the Jewish people. Now, don't, the Jewish there is not what we want to center in on. I'll deliver you from people. Do you know that, that, that's, that that's something... We need to all be delivered from people, don't we? What do you mean by that? What people think about us, what people say about us, what they don't say about us, what they don't think about us. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I'll deliver you as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Think about that. The Lord's sending him to the Gentiles and he said, I'm going to deliver you from them. If we're going to live by faith, if we're going to finish our course, we're going to have to be delivered from what people think about us. Now notice Acts 26 verse 19. 
He's before King Agrippa, and he says, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So you see, the Apostle Paul, he had, he had opportunity to be disobedient, but he, he never was. He, he stuck right with it. But declared first to those, verse 20, in Damascus and in Jerusalem, how through all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting repentance. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. See, because he was doing the work of God. Therefore, having obtained... Now, this is so good. Having obtained help from God, to this day I stand. Can we say amen to that? Many opportunities to be disobedient. Many opportunities to quit. But he said, I've obtained help from God. Well, when the Lord appeared to him and said, be a good cheer. That's obtaining help from the Lord, isn't it? A word of encouragement. How many of you know we all need a word of encouragement, don't we? That's one of the reasons I'm here, is to give you a word of encouragement. Witnessing to both small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, and so forth. Now notice, uh, as Paul went on, look at Acts 26 here, look at verse 24. Now this may... Now as he thus made his defense, Festus, this was the governor, said with a loud voice, Paul, you're beside yourself. Much learning has has driven you mad. In other words, you're crazy. Think about that. Paul was accused by the governor of being crazy. Just think how you would feel if the governor of Missouri, you gave your testimony and he said you're nuts. But notice Paul said, I'm not mad, I'm not crazy, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. And then in Acts 26, verse 28, before the, the king here, then Agrippa said to Paul, the king, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me today might, might both almost and all together be such as I am except for these chains. You need to realize this. In the midst of all that Paul went through, wherever he went, all the persecutions, all the trials, everything he went through, you know the number one thing on his mind was being a soul winner. When he went into that prison, remember we talked about it a while ago? What happened? He got those, jail, he got those prisoners saved, didn't he? And a church started. No matter where he went, no matter what he did, all the trials and things he was going through, the number one thing on his heart and mind was soul winning. And it's so good. He, said, he says here, he said, I wish that you all were like I am. What does that mean? Born again, except for these chains. Real loud say, except for these chains. He said, see, he, he didn't want people to be in those chains, but see, he was in those chains for the cause of Christ. But you know, I like what he said in another place. He said, listen to this. He said, remember that, and I don't have this on the screen, but listen. He said, remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, for which I suffered trouble as an evil evildoer, even to the point of chains, but the word of God is not chained. What was he saying? He was saying, you might chain me, but you can't chain the word of God. That's a man of faith, isn't it? And then we're almost done here, but go to Acts 28. Remember, 
He was on the way to Rome. There was a storm. There was a shipwreck. And then, notice what happens here in Acts 28, verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, because they got up on that isle of Malta, and had laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. See, there was a storm, a shipwreck, now a snake bite. Think about that. So when the natives saw... The creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, who, though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature, the snake, into the fire and suffered no harm. Can you say amen to that? So, of course, you know, if we're going to live by faith, we're going to get the devil bite us here and there, you know. But what do we do? We shake it off, don't we? Realize, say, shake it off. Yeah, we shake it off and we go right on with the things of God, don't we? And he suffered no harm. Now watch this. God not only delivered him from a storm, from a shipwreck, from a snake bite, but also delivered him from fickle people. Remember, the Lord said he'd deliver him from people. Watch this. Now these people, they said, well, he got bit by a snake. He survived the storm and the shipwreck, but now he got bit by a snake, so this man must be a murderer. He shook it off. In, he shook the snake into the flame, suffered no harm. And then verse 6, however, they were expect, when they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead, but after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Think about that. People are fickle, aren't they? And one minute they're saying he's a criminal, and the next minute they're saying he's a god. You've got to be delivered from people if you're going to walk by faith. Because people are going to change their mind about you quicker than the wind changes direction. And then, of course, if you go to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22, Paul sums all this up. And a lot of times we just read this summation, but I thought it was, would be good today to go through some of the things we went through to actually see what this man went through. But notice in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22, he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abram? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now, he's talking about, Paul's talking about himself here. In labors more abundant, stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths oft. From the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys oft, in perils of waters, perils of robbers, perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil and sleeplessness oft, hunger and thirst and fastings often cold and nakedness besides all these things what comes on me daily the deep concern for all the churches you think about that but I'm so glad that he didn't give up and quit because he didn't give up and quit we have the New Testament amen and notice in 2 Corinthians you're right there in chapter 11 go to chapter 12 look at this 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7 Paul writes and he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. See, in the midst of all this tumult that he was going through, God was speaking to him and giving him better than half of the New Testament. Think about that. Now you think about that. Did he go through some stuff? And was he in chains and all of that and beaten up? But yet, he lived by faith. And doesn't, didn't we talk about how faith overcomes the world? 
And in the midst of everything he was going through, he was able to get more than, more than, half, the, uh, more than half the New Testament to give to us. Isn't that, isn't that something? Just any one of those things that he went through would have been enough to distract most people from doing anything for the Lord. Is that right? But he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me. I'll say he had a thorn in the flesh, all right. What was that thorn in the flesh? Well, I believe it was all those things he was going through, but, but ultimately I think it was the people that the devil stirred up against him. And they kept, kept persecuting him. That's what I believe it was. It wasn't sickness and disease. It wasn't anything like that. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. It was a demonic power that would stir people up against him. Lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. See, he was praying about all this, wasn't he? All these things he was going through, he was praying about it. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Now remember what we, what we taught you in one of the earlier sessions. How do you access the grace of God? You access it through faith. And see, Paul lived by faith and he, through his faith, he was able to access the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Well, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's his unmerited favor, but it's also the ability and the power of God. How many of you know Paul needed the ability and the power of God, didn't he? And it was his faith that accessed that. He couldn't have made it to the end of his course without faith, without trusting and believing God. And here again, notice when the Lord spoke to him. And when God speaks to us, it's going to be statements of faith. And he said here, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. I say God's grace is sufficient for me. How about you? Sufficient for all of us, no matter what you're going through. Be a person of faith and tap into the grace of God. Glory to God. Therefore, notice he says in verse 9, Most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, this is not talking about sickness or disease. This is talking about the stuff he went through. He said he took pleasure in it. In reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For what? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am what? I am strong. strong. See, doesn't the Bible say, let the weak say I am strong? He was, he was following the Bible there, wasn't he? And that's one of the greatest statements of faith you can ever make when the circumstances and everything's going wrong against you and your, your body's weak or your body's sick or whatever the case. And, and, and in the midst of that, you say, I am what? I am strong. Takes great faith to say that. Now let's close back in 2 Timothy 4, verse 9. I hope you got something out of this today. He said here, he says to Timothy, he says, 2 Timothy 4 9, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me. Now this is at the end of his life, and this stuff's still going on. Have you ever had anybody forsake you? Demas forsook him. Having loved this present world, has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Thank God there will be some that stick with you. Get Mark and bring him with you. Now this is the guy that departed from him earlier. Was he, still, was he, angry, was he angry with Mark or can you see he forgave him? See, people of faith are forgivers. 
People that walk by faith are not easily offended, and people that walk by faith are quick to forgive. When I see people getting offended at every little old thing, I can tell you one thing, they're not a person of faith. And when people just won't forgive, they're not people of faith. It takes faith a lot of times to not get offended. It takes faith to forgive. You don't know what they did to me. Well, no, but, it, but the Bible says we have to forgive them or the Lord won't forgive us. And a lot of times you have to forgive people by faith. Look at this. He says in verse 11, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark, bring him with you, for he's useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I've sent to Ephesus. Look at this. Bring the cloak that I left, the carpus, the troas, the books, especially the parchment. Now watch verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. See, I mean, just Paul had this going on all the time. Have you ever had anybody do you much harm? May the Lord repay him according to his works. Wow. Notice he didn't say, I'm going to repay him. He said, may the Lord repay him. You also must beware of him. Did Paul caution Timothy about this other fellow? Sometimes I stand here and caution folk about things that are going on. People get mad at me saying I'm being judgmental. No, I'm just being biblical. As a pastor, there's sometimes I need to caution you about some things. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first defense, no one stood with me, all forsook me. Think about that. Have you ever had everybody walk away from you? Think about that. I've never had everybody walk away from me. May it not be charged against them. Isn't that interesting? I'll just throw this in. I won't charge you any extra. Notice in verse 14, he said about Alexander, the coppersmith, may the Lord repay him according to his works. And then these people here in verse 16, he said, may it not be charged against them. I wonder what the difference is. I think I know. I think the the difference is, is that Alexander, the coppersmith, knew better than to do what he did to Paul. These other people in verse 16, I don't think they knew any better. And when people don't know any better, forgive them. When they stoned Stephen, remember he said, Lord, forgive them. Don't charge this sin against them. I don't think those people knew really what they was doing. And when Jesus, our Lord himself, hung on the cross, he said what? Forgive them for they know not what they do. But even if somebody knows better and they're doing you wrong, you still don't retaliate. You say, what, Lord, repay them according to their works. And the Lord will deal with Alexander and try to get him to repent. And if he won't repent, then he'll deal with him. So, in Galatians 2.20, look at this real quick. And then we'll finish in 2 Timothy 4. But listen, one verse here. I'm going to read this in the King James Version. And this is one of my favorite verses. The Apostle Paul wrote this and he said, I am what? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? I live by 
the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see that it took faith for Paul to finish his course, didn't it? He said, I'm crucified with Christ. He wrote in another place, he said, I die daily. But nevertheless, I live, but it's not me, it's Christ living in me. That's the only way we're going to make it to the finish line. In the life which I now live, I, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God. And then in 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And then I like verse 8. Finally... There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Sobering, isn't it? It's sobering, but this is one of the most encouraging messages I've ever preached. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Terry, you just did all, all you've been doing is telling me how Paul went through all these bad things. Yeah, just like all of us. Maybe not to the degree he went through, but all of us have to deal with stuff. And let's look at him as an example and a great message of encouragement that all the stuff he went through, he made it to the end of his life, lived out his life, and he finished his race, he finished it with joy. And he did it by faith. And if he can do it with far greater things coming against him than what's ever come against us, how much more can we do it? Great message of encouragement. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will what? Deliver him out of them all. Not some, but all. Stand with me if you would. Well, if anybody's here and you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, and you need to do that, there'll be some folks up here you can come up and pray with them. We had three people get saved at the chili cook-off. Isn't that wonderful? Maybe I ought to start serving chili on Sunday mornings here as I preach. I'll have a bowl of chili. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, you come up and do that.